am I a critic? Yes, definitely. I've always liked watching things, being like, why are they doing that? That doesn't really make sense. And the more I learn about script writing, the more my brain is noticing when things don't necessarily fit together. And you might be experiencing this too. Which leads me into the question, does learning more about storytelling and script writing rob you of the enjoyment of watching TV shows and movies? I watched a um, panel of actors and actresses. All of them were comedians. And I think three or four of them said they don't watch movies anymore because they know, okay, this is two hours. This It's going to start here. The middle point is this. And then at the end, we know it's going to be wrapping up for that. And they said that they prefer to watch serialized shows. And of course, they've been in the industry longer than I have. They've written their own things. They're all known for things. And I just was thinking, huh, if they are feeling that way, how am I going to feel a few more years into writing? Because I've already started noticing it. Spoiler alert, <laughs> I'm going to talk about The Handmaid's Tale, The Nevers, and The Mighty Ducks, and a bit of The Mandalorian. So if you haven't watched the more recent um, episodes and seasons, then stop listening <laughs> until you do. So I get notes on my script. That to me is one of the most powerful things that you can get. And one of the things that kept coming up was it's too convenient. And I was like, I'm in agreement. Cause I really did notice I was just skipping, you know, I know that we're supposed to get to point D so perhaps point B and point C are not as intricate as they should be because I'm just trying to set it up to get to the next point. And I'm noticing that in other stories such as The Handmaid's Tale. Now, I don't know if there were changes because of COVID that kept them from having more people on set for the scene, but in season four, episode three, after June has done the most, she's like the most hated handmaid in Gilead. She's killed people. She's run away multiple times. She got her daughter, like a commander's daughter, <laughs> out of Gilead. She's hidden handmaids, got them to safety, and she's escorted um, or help escort over 85 children and workers out of Gilead into Canada. And she refused to tell them where the additional five handmaids were. But after all of that, she is being driven by one guard, not just her. Five other handmaids are in the van with her with Aunt Lydia, who is frail because unfortunately she's been beaten up recently. And I just was waiting. I was like, where's the other military personnel to escort them? Nope, there was no one. That didn't make any sense. Gilead is paranoid, right? So it didn't make sense for them to not have more personnel to escort them to this new facility. 
And then the series of convenient events just really took me out of the story. So this is what happened. They were driving the train tracks are up front and it starts to blink. So they know the train's coming. So the guard says he's going to stop and get out and take a piss. And June then overpowers Aunt Lydia with her electrocution wand. She tells the other handmaids to escape. And conveniently, the back of the van door is unlocked. And also conveniently, they do not have shackles on their feet, on their legs like they have in other episodes. And then they just start running. Of course, the guard does notice and he starts shooting. June and Janine get past the train and then two others get hit by the train. And I just was thinking, no matter, and this might not be true, but I think no matter how much my adrenaline is pumping and how much I want to escape, if I'm neck to neck with somebody and the train's coming, I'm not going to run into the train. I'm going to say, you go left, you go right. Or I just break off and go left or right. It just, like it was only one guard. He would have he would have to like lose one of them. So I just was like, what? They just wanted to kill off those handmaids and they wanted to get June and Janine together to like go on their quest. So I wasn't happy. <laughs> it didn't ruin the whole thing. I just was like, what? No military personnel. And then what? This train. And then what? They killed off all these people. But then I was like, okay, the second episode is going to be better. It's going to get back to that beautiful storytelling that I love. Nope. The first start of the next episode was convenience. They find another train and the door to one of them is open and there's nobody around so they can sneak in together. <sighs> so I'm still looking forward to the next episode. I actually think the next episode is out. Got to watch that because I've only watched up to episode four. But I just felt like it was way too convenient. And I just feel like they should have made it a little bit harder. But then again, COVID was probably affecting things. I watch shows not just for a feeling, but to get my mind engaged. I love problem solving with the characters. And so The Handmaid's Tale is my favorite show. It's not one of the favorite. It is my favorite show on right now. Because I will mentally put myself in that scenario with June to think about what would I do. And when something feels so disingenuous to the reality that they've built over the last three seasons, I, it, I, I, I'm not as engaged. But I'm still going to keep watching. And I didn't even know that they're, have, they're having another season come up. But yeah, season five is going to happen. I thought season four was the last season. So yay, I love that. And June's character has not changed. She, we know what she's thinking, even when she doesn't say it, because we know that character so well. But when a character does something that's out of their character, that also takes me out of the storytelling, which leads me to The Mandalorian season two. So Baby Yoda, who has all this amazing force energy running through him, is on the um, spaceship, I forget what it's called, with Mando and... This woman, I 
forget the type of species that she is, but she has just um, a bunch of eggs in a jar and they are the last eggs of her entire species. And she has to get to a particular planet so that those eggs can be birthed. So the whole species species depends on her getting to that planet safely. But baby Yoda is committing murder because he's eating the eggs. And that just felt disingenuous to the character. I know they're trying to make him such like an innocent, sweet toddler doesn't know what he's doing. But I just was like, I don't think the force would have supported him in doing that. I just, it felt stupid, you know? And yes, I've seen baby Yoda eat a live frog and a live um, spider, but it just didn't make sense for him to really be eating the eggs. And I know that the storytellers were more than likely trying to create some conflict, some, some um, tension, but it just, it felt disingenuous. And I found out other people saying the same thing. Baby Yoda came across as psycho, psychotic, or not psychotic, like a psychopath, not caring, when it just, it, it didn't, it didn't really work. And then there were filler episodes, which I was, which um, a lot of people also said, and I was just like, what is happening? It didn't really go anywhere. It didn't really do anything, but I still watch the entire thing and I'm going to rewatch all of it. It's very rare for me to rewatch an entire season nowadays. I was just thinking about this this morning. I'm never going to rewatch Supernatural <laughs> from start to finish because there's been so many seasons, which I'm amazed. I'm really happy for them. Because um, when Supernatural came out, that was my love. There was nothing else like it on the TV. <laughs> I just loved it. But now I, I'm thinking about like, I don't have as much time <laughs> to watch things. So I can definitely rewatch two seasons of Mandalorian and potentially uh, three seasons of The Handmaid's Tale. But then I like to get excited about new things. So I'm two seasons into Mandalorian, four seasons into The Handmaid's Tale, and then I was just craving something new, which led me to the nethers. And I know that there is... Um, some controversy going on with Josh Whedon, who is the person who created The Nevers, but I'm really, really liking the world he created. It's not just about the storytelling. It's about the casting, the acting, the directing, the cinematography, the plots. Oh my gosh. I really suggest that everybody check out The Nevers. I love being surprised by things and not seeing things coming. And that's happened in the most recent episode. I'm not going to explain what happened um, because it's still fresh in my mind and I don't want to ruin it um, because it is very, very new. If you haven't seen The Mandalorian yet, then that's on you. <laughs> uh, but The Nevers, the storytelling is really tight. Okay. The main actress is actually Jamie's sister in Outlander. She's a brilliant actress. And I was, you know, looking at some of the other actors and actresses. They're all well cast. Like the old man is really, really good. And uh, Melody is also really good. But Nimble is now my favorite. So if you grew up in the 90s, you might have seen Oliver Twist. Well, even before that, Oliver Twist came out a while ago. 
Um, but in Oliver Twist, there is um, oh now I forget his name. I'm just gonna have to Google this now. I want to say Dodger, but I don't think that's the right name. Um, consider yourself. It's, it's not coming up. I'm not seeing his name. All right. I think I'm just going to call him Dodger because I think that that was the name. And if I see it while I'm talking to you, I'll, I'll definitely let you know. But in Oliver Twist, he's like the lead of the gang. He is um, male and he's essentially a street rat. Okay. Um, oh, I found it. It is the Artful Dodger. So I did have his name correct. In The Nevers, they have a more so non-binary presenting person that reminds me so much of Dodger, but I love that it is a feminine presenting person. And I like the lesbianism between um, them. And it's kind of, I don't know what his, her, their pronouns are. I'd have to do a little bit more research. Um, I don't think that it is there. I don't think they really say what the gender of nimble is. Um, but I, I just, I thought that was perfectly cast and I'm just loving their acting. <laughs> it's really pulling me into this world and this time period. All of the storytelling is great. There's little moments that run on a little bit and it feels like space fillers uh, because it is a longer series, but it's perfect if you just want to veg out and watch a whole thing. I skip through the parts that are a little bit boring to me, but I, I'm bringing up the Nevers um, because it's masterfully done. There's not really any complaints I have for them just yet, but it is episode four. So I don't know where it's all going. Um, but I just think it's going to get better and better and better. So when you become very picky with what you like to watch as I am, you kind of really have to hunt down the, the new things that really inspire you and enthrall you. And for me, that's the nevers. And lastly, the Mighty Ducks. So I watched the Mighty Ducks when I was a kid. It was my favorite movie when Disney Plus came out and they were offering their free um, trial, I signed up and that's what I watched. I watched a lot of old movies, but mainly the Mighty Ducks. I watched every um, movie and I cried <laughs> because I just, I, I loved it so much and I had nostalgia. Uh, and it just, it's a part of my childhood that I, I wanted to relive. And then when I found out that they were making a TV series, I was like, oh my gosh, I know it's for teens and tweens, but I am watching and I'm loving how they're flipping the switch or rather flipping the script. <laughs> okay. For example, um, you know how there's that overused trope in high school of, oh, the popular people don't like the nerdy girl. They did that. And I was just like, ugh. but they switched it where the so-called nerdy girl actually didn't want the popular girl in her group. 
And so I really like that. There was another moment where, you know, if you understand Disney's brand, the good people always win. And so there was a competition between the moms to see who could hit the hockey puck into the goal the fastest. And there were stakes on it. If whoever won, one of the girls could join because she's like the best player. And she really wanted to join the Don't Bothers. So there was pressure on the mom to really win. She gets angry, she hits it really hard and she wins. And then it showed that um, she didn't really <laughs> because her foot, her skate went over the line. And so there was that moment where they were celebrating, yeah, they won. I was like, oh, okay, that's expected. And then they flipped it and I'm like, no, no, they don't win. And I was like, oh. But more importantly, what I liked was afterwards, even though the agreement was if the other team won, that the girl would have to join their team or stay on their team. The father came to his daughter afterwards and said, I saw how much your eyes lit up and you thought they won. And so I'm giving you permission to join the Don't Fathers. This stood out to me because Disney is known for creating conflict between children and parents in order to create that tension, which I do not like. Um, I think it really gets into a lot of kids' souls and makes them misbehave. So I like how they made the parent the hero, that the parent actually did listen and did pay attention to the child. Because when I was growing up, I was always like, oh, the parent's so stupid in the, <laughs> the stories. They're not paying attention to the child. But in this, they did make it that way. <laughs> and even the lesbian couple in it, um, there's a moment where they have a sleepover and they, they say to take their, their phones and then the kids sneak around to like get the phone back. They weren't intentionally ignoring them. The kids were being very, very sneaky. So I just like the storytelling. It's very inventive, but still sticking true to the original brand. There was just one thing that really stood out to me. There's probably other ones. I'm just not thinking about it right now. But there was another part that was too convenient. And I was just like, what are you doing? And that was when the mom, who I don't I don't remember the name of. I generally don't remember names of, of things unless I've watched multiple seasons. Um, but Bombay is coming out with her. And conveniently, the mom's boss is there in her car with her husband. And she's like, oh, what were you doing here? And she's like, oh, I was just driving around the neighborhood. We're thinking about buying property. It's an up and coming place. And what are you doing here? And it just was really odd. Like really her boss is just driving around in the alley and she spots her out of every, it just, it was too convenient. And then they invite them over to dinner. And then, you know, it's a good experience. It helps them work out some of the stuff and build more of the, the plot. But I just. I didn't like the way that they got to that point. It was a filler to just like get them from point A to point B, but whatever. Um, I still like it. I would encourage everyone to check it out, especially if you like the Mighty Ducks. If you have recommendations of other scripts, other TV shows and movies that you love, please let me know. I'm always looking for something interesting. I do like unscripted shows as well. Um, so I'm only talking about scripted shows today. Um, yeah, so there's nothing really more I wanted to talk about today about that topic. I really do think that you have to learn to subvert people's expectations when you're writing. 
but not so much so that it gets lost in translation. That kind of happened with us. us. Uh, the movie, a lot of people said that it subverted expectations too much. But you know, the people that watch TV shows like you and movies, they are an intelligent audience. They've grown up on movies. Lena Waithe said that she grew up in a two-parent home, her mom and the TV. So it's true that the internet and TV help to raise people. And so you're going to have to put more effort into not making things too convenient, into not overusing tropes. You need to go further past perhaps your original thought or direction. That's happened for me in one of my scripts where I had, I thought it was done. And then I got feedback on it. I was like, heck yeah, I need to change that because it was, it was expected. The ending was way too expected. So I switched it up. It still ends on a nice note, but I switched it up and I made the way it got to that outcome more conflict driven. Now, I don't like writing things just for the sake of conflict, but I felt like it made it more realistic because life is drama, right? So, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm sure everybody out there is a critic and we can't please everybody, but you can definitely push past your own limitations to birth a new idea because we're only going to keep watching TV shows and movies. We're only going to be coming more and more knowledgeable about the craft in the coming years. And the next generation that's coming up, they've watched TV a lot more than I did growing up. So they're even more educated than me at whatever age they're at right now. And soon, you know, movies and TV shows will be interlaced with um, gaming. So that's something to look forward to. Ah, so many possibilities. Because, you know, the movie industry the TV industry is still relatively new to human consciousness. And so there's so much more we can do. And there's so many different directions we can go into. And so you don't have to stick to the formula, the way that the industry has been doing it, because people are already kind of bored with that. And they're just going to get even border in the coming years. So if you want to go in a different way and different offshoots, honor that. Because I really feel like that's what will serve us in a decade. In 2030, <laughs> the TV shows, the movies are going to be weird. Um, very, very different. So anyway, I could talk for another hour <laughs> about this. Um, yes, keep doing what you're doing. Keep reading. Keep learning. It'll only improve you as a writer. And of course, that is a gift to everyone that will listen to you watch it or read it. Carry on.